Welcome to the Renovating Riches Podcast. Entrepreneurs from Houston teaching you everything they know about entrepreneurship and real estate with the best guests in the real estate industry. Subscribe today on all major platforms and gear up for another episode of Renovating Riches. Riches Radio podcast today with my friend, Mr. Michael Gonzalez. Thank you for coming, Mike. No, thank you for having me, Richard. I, pre- it. I appreciate it, man. Um, who is Michael? Where do you come from? Bank account number, social security number, that kind of deal. Big secret. Big secret. No, it's, uh, uh, it's pretty simple, man. Uh, from Houston originally, guys. Okay. Uh, H-Town all the way. So uh, all right. definitely hometown, hometown boy. Um, you know, been working uh, in and out of real estate for the last uh, last three years. Uh, can't uh, can't complain too bad. Before that, it was uh, you know the corporate world. You know. So let's go back to where you were raised. Where were you raised out in Houston? Uh, born southeast, uh, grew up in Southwest, A Leaf. So, okay. Yeah. So we're not far from it. No, no. Did no. you go to the high school down old, by uh, by the West guns. Park? Uh, yeah, yeah. A Leaf okay. uh, Hastings. Yeah. All right. A Leaf Hastings. Got out of there. Ran wild for a little while. Uh, and then uh, ended up at U of H. Uh, went through some U of H classes and uh, got out and went into went into uh, actually went into law enforcement right after I got out of college. Law enforcement. Yeah. So what what do you get a degree on? Uh, criminal justice. Okay. And were you attracted to that or? Uh, family was in it. Okay. Uh, my dad was a police officer at the time. So, All right. You know you know you grow up and you're like oh I'm never going to do that I'm never going to do that and then here you are find yourself uh, graduating college and. And then figuring out where you need to be, you know. And how was that journey? Like, okay, you graduated, went into law enforcement, and how many years were you in it? Uh, total was about five years. Five years. Yeah, so I uh, spent my time in it, uh, in and out. Uh, during that time frame, it, I really got uh, uh, sucked into the private sector. So once I got into to law enforcement, work for the county, and um, did that for a little while, uh, there was opportunities opened up in the private sector to to take my knowledge and what I had known. And I grew up in law enforcement, so it was a little easy to to kind of to kind of know the the talk and the walk. I grew up around it. Right. Uh, you know, family barbecues. It was it was a bunch of police officers. So that's right. So so you grew up around police officers. Yes, sir. So were you H H uh, Houston Police uh, PD? No, my or? dad was. My dad uh, retired HPD, and uh, I worked with uh, Harris County Constables for a little while. Okay. And then ended up out in Montgomery County to finish up my business. You know, finish up my career there. And then, uh, at the meantime, I ended up uh, going to work in the private sector and doing uh, private safety and security uh, for many years. So. Well, uh, so you call the private sector like I don't know a corporation. Corporation got hired in. Uh, honestly, got hired in uh, with a contract company and went to work uh, a lot of different groups, but uh, mainly worked for uh, Brown and Root at the time. Okay. Uh, Brown and Root Halliburton did their uh, set up their security programs for the area. And then, uh, you know, bounced around a few other places. How did that look? Like, were you, like, escorting people here? Or, or what, what kind of, like, how, that, how did that job look like? Like, what, what was a daily routine for you? Well, I got a, I, honestly, I got a call one day from somebody I knew in the industry who said, hey, we have a position open. Uh, they're looking for someone to manage our security program here in Houston for Brian Root and Halliburton and, and, uh, and KBR. And uh, I was thinking, why do I want to leave law enforcement and go to work in security? You know, right. I'm, 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 I'm the guy now. Yeah, I'm, you're a cop. Yeah, I'm doing my thing now. And then uh, when the money kind of got, 
yeah, when they show you the when money. When they showed you the paycheck and the fact that I wouldn't be working, you know, nights and extra right. jobs. And, and stopping yeah. drunk people or, one, or you know. Yeah, it got a little attractive. So, you know, long story short is I ended up, uh, you know, dedicating myself uh, full-time into that arena. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was interesting because it took me a lot further than what I thought. So, you know, as I kind of bridge that gap from where I, where I came from to where I'm at, you know, my final – career stop in the corporate world was I worked for a real estate brokerage company on the west side of Houston um, you know as vice president of operations for all their security programs okay and that was um, you know we did major retail hospitals high-rise mid-rises residential uh, but the training in the background was all based around you know corporate real estate and so when I wow. went to training classes and courses and and I got a chance to kind of learn the business I was basically being taught real estate you know, on the back, you know, un unbeknownst to me, as I moaned and groaned, wondering why I had to go to all these courses. Uh, in, in reality, I was learning property management. I can already see you. Like, how old were you when you were doing that? Thirties. Oh yeah, as in my mid thirties. Yeah. Mid thirties. So, why do I gotta go to that stupid class on Saturday or whatever? Yeah. Why am I going know? to customer service training? You know, why am I going to this? Why am I going to that? Why am I learning property management courses? Why am I? I mean. You know, I'm supposed to be managing their alarm systems and their security personnel and their access control systems. And that's crazy how the universe takes you through a path that always uh, it was completely meant to be for you. I, I believe that. I believe oh, that. I, I'm sure about <laughs> it. I have no doubts because yeah. you you were in law enforcement. Uh, you started as a cop, right? And then yeah, and then uh, were you patrolling the streets or mm -hmm. yeah? And yeah. then. Okay, and then you evolve from there to the private sector, mm -hmm. where is security and stuff like that, and then you end up being the VP of operations for um, a large real estate company, but they're forcing you to learn real estate. Correct. And you're like, man, you know, why do I got to go through all these classes and all that? Correct. And and But what you what you didn't know is that you were actually being prepared for your next step. I in, was definitely being groomed for life. the next step. Which is, you know... And I, and I guess it's immaturity. I mean, you don't think about that when you're in the corporate world. You, right. you go and you punch your ticket, you do your time, you know, you're doing your job, you're overwhelmed as it is with what you've got going on. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're just kind of going through the motions. But, um, you know, when you start your next adventure uh, for us, you know, it, you know, for my family, you know, you look back and you lean on those things that you were, that you got taught, yeah. you know, there's not, uh, you know, don't get me wrong, there's, I mean, there's a class and there's an education for just about everything, but when you start looking at 10, 15, 20 years of experience and doing different things, uh, it's amazing, you know, the, the level of training that you actually do get from from, from working at other other areas, other industries. Okay. Uh, and when did your interest in real estate get sort of like, you know, hmm, maybe this is something I want to do on my own? Well, when I got out of the corporate world, uh, my wife and I had been laid off. Okay. At the same time, same month. When we wow. Were, we were standing around wondering, what are we going to do? We both had very good jobs at the time, big fat 401ks, you know. Right. But you realize real quick what you don't have, you know. Cell phones are gone, you know. And page, back then, pager, pagers are gone, you right. know. Uh, you realize your company vehicle goes away. Right. Your expense I, credit card goes away. Yeah. All those things that you relied on, you know, are suddenly gone. And you start realizing real quick that, you know, even though you made decent money and you had all these things, you really didn't have a whole lot. And so uh, yeah. my wife and I went into business for ourselves, um, and we were pretty successful. We, we ran it for 10 years. We were in a retail retail industry. Uh, 
but it was during that time. Of, of, and that's with the motorcycles, right? Yeah, we, we ran a uh, power sports business. And so we sold uh, we sold kids four-wheelers and go-karts and dirt bikes. And had a great time doing it. And I bet it, you that it, was fun. It was loads of fun. Uh, you know, we, we, you and I were talking before a little bit about giving back and enjoying ourselves. You know, at Christmas time, you know, we lived for Christmas time. You know, every mom and dad would come in there and buy their kid a gift. And their know? kids will light up and as soon was, as they you know, bought. And when you think about us growing up, I mean, me – you know, if you got a, a cool toy, I mean, that was it. Imagine going home and finding a four-wheeler or a, or a go-kart or a big dirt bike underneath right. your tree. I mean, that to me, that's amazing, you know. And the, the kids, I'm sure, and mom and dad were, were probably uh, were thrilled to have those opportunities, and we were thrilled to be a part of it with their families. Wow. And so um, it was during that time, though, that uh, the property that we were in, commercial property, was, uh, was looking to go up for sale. And um, I didn't know anything about really about real estate, you know, from a, you know, from me thinking that I would be an investor or, or buying properties or flipping properties. And um, I just kind of walked my way into it. The owner was looking to sell. We were looking to not have to move our business. And we reached out, made an agreement. We, we bought the commercial property. And that was kind of a, a step into the arena that I wasn't expecting. And, and the crazy thing is you bought it subject to. I did. I bought it. So it was like, an owner finance subject to. He basically said, hey. Uh, I'll let you take it. Here's the here's the terms, and I said okay. We negotiated a little bit, but I stepped right into it and took it over. Now, did he wrap his existing mortgage or? No, he cleared it. It was, it was seller finance. Okay. Yeah. So he he uh, he did clear the liens and cleared the mortgage, and so it's it's solely his, and you know it was his at the time at the point of sale, and and we made the deal. So, you know. And then what happened after that? So after, now now you're a now you're a commercial real estate investor and you're operating your business out of the same building, correct? Correct. And I'm learning real quick that I know nothing about <laughs> commercial real estate. Uh, but at the end of the day, it you know you stumble your way through it, just like with anything else. I mean, you throw yourself at it 100%. You stumble your way through. You're gonna find you'll find the light at the end. So uh, we did. We we worked our way through. We kind of learned. Uh, you know, basically, as as I started figuring out how to to manage tenants and draw up leases and talk to real estate attorneys that, you know, to help me through that. Uh, I guess like everybody else at the same time, the D the DIY networks were, were going crazy. Yeah. And so I'm paying. What year is this roughly? Uh, this was four years ago. Okay. So not, not, long ago. not that long ago. So about four years ago, I'm looking around. Man, it's amazing. because um, you're doing stuff that is advanced real estate, you know? Um, and, and it's taking me 12 years to, to where I'm at today. But to see somebody like you in four years, because you're doing all kinds of stuff now. Yeah, we do everything. Um, it's your your learning curve was pretty uh, pretty short. I got a lot of bruises last car. Oh, so. I, I know, I know, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. and I I have too. Trust me. I, yeah. You see this black guy? <laughs> um, but um, but I would have thought it was a lot longer than that. No, short term. But uh, you know, I've, I've I've had like I told you, I, you know, the corporate world taught me a lot. Um, you know, I learned a lot through that. Um, you know, my mom, honestly, she was in property management for years. So I not only grew up with a law enforcement background, uh, my mom was a, uh, you know, I always like to chuckle a little bit. She was the rehab specialist, you know, her company would send her all over the country and, you know, redo multifamily properties. Oh, wow. So she would, uh, she'd be the person that kind of goes in and manages it during the renovation process, you know, getting, getting out the, the riffraff, managing the contractors, and then uh, releasing everything uh, under new rates. So, so, uh, and she's still a big influence. So she works with us every day. So I'm proud to have her in our office. Good deal, man. Yeah. Um. So, so you did that one deal. 
what what was your next deal like? Well, you know, I did the one deal, and I thought, okay, that's great. I've saved our our, our business, you know, because I didn't want to relocate. That was our fear, and that was the fear of, you know, what, what drove me to get it was I didn't want to move my business. Right. So I got to a point where I started entertaining the idea of I could, if I could do it this way here, and I didn't know about subject twos or anything like that, or, you know, I thought I needed my 20% down, yeah. I'd have excellent credit, all this, all this stuff. And so it got me thinking that, man, if I talked my way into this deal, you know, could I do it in other ways with other, you know, with other places, other commercial properties, other multi-tenant or, or even, you know, single family real estate. And so, um, you know, and at the same time, you're watching the, you know, the, the one hour show of buy a house, flip it, sell it. Everyone's rich. They high five each other. And so it just got my wheels a turning. And, and uh, like anybody else, you do a little homework, get a little YouTube university going, go out to some of the, the real estate events and get to talking. And realized that the leap from what I was doing to what I'm doing today wasn't that big of a stretch. I just had to, honestly, I just had to get up and do it, you know. And so I, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to start doing it. And I started doing it away from, you know, I took myself away from the our everyday business. And I started doing it on the side. And uh, I told my wife that as soon as I did my first, my first uh, wholesale or my first flip, that uh, I was going to be leaning on her pretty heavy to, to get out of the business and let us sell the, the business we had and move into real estate full time. And you sold the business. We sold the business and, uh, you know, got that off our plate. And the very first deal we did was a wholesale deal. Okay. Um, and what, how do you learn wholesaling? Was it something you learned through YouTube or? It was, yeah, that and, and going to a few events. Uh, I went to some of the Rhea Houston events, went to some of the other events. Uh, Jet Lending was one that popped up, went to some of theirs. I mean, it was just a little bit of everything, you know, that we took in. And honestly, I'm kind of a, you know, throw it against the wall, see what sticks, jump in with two feet kind of person anyway. Uh, just from my background, you know, you, you rush in and then figure it all out once you get there. And so I just said, man, screw it, let's, let's do it. And so um, I went and found a house, and it was over in Conroe, and uh, negotiated a, a deal on it, got it under contract. Didn't even know how to fill out the contract. Yeah. You know, the lady said, yeah, let's make the deal. I made the offer. She said, yes, it scared the heck out of me. So I had to jump online real quick, figure out how to do a contract. How do I do a contract? How here? do I do a contract? Point A, you know, watch, you know, a dozen. You didn't have anybody showing you how to do it. No. I love it. Did the contract, went over to sat in front of her, signed it, went home, scared to death, told my wife I owe this lady sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> what was the house worth? Uh it it was under renovation at the time and she the whole downstairs had been gutted already. Uh it, it's, man, if we can go back to my ARV at the time, it was probably a hundred and eighty thousand dollar house. Oh wow. So hundred and ninety thousand dollar house. Um locked it up for just under sixty thousand. Uh, was scared to death. Now what do I do? You know, yeah. had it. What do I find my what, buyer? What do I, yeah, threw it out there on the market and talked to some friends and family. Had somebody that wanted to buy it, and we made fifteen thousand. Wow! In about two weeks. First deal. First deal. I was shocked. I was like, "Where's this been? What am I doing? Why? Why isn't everybody doing this kind of kind of thought?" Well, there was a lot of people doing. There it. was a lot of people yeah. doing it. So, you know, like anybody else, I said, okay, I found my, I found my niche. I found what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm getting rich. I'm going to be rich. So. <laughs> so how do you, okay, so you, how do you find that particular property? That one was a bandit sign. A bandit sign. So you, did, you started was, doing bandit signs. I started signs. off doing bandit signs. I did, uh, we ordered blanks in. I, I, I had done some, uh, some, yeah, I did some, uh, 
knew a little bit of background on some marketing design when I was with my other business because we had to print our own T-shirts and stuff. So I had a graphic design business that, that I could lean on, and so I reached out to them, and they got us the blanks, relatively inexpensive. Uh, went and got me some big old Sharpie markers, and uh, we went to town, my wife and I. And uh, we just sat up at night, drawing up the signs, and got my son involved, and everybody kind of helped out. And I just ran around posting signs. Your son was here in Houston as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. He was he was helping. So it was a it's a family business, you know. It's uh, me, my wife, my son. Now my mom, my dad are, are pitching in. They're helping. So we're all we're all involved. Got a good friend, uh, Tara. She she's there every step of the way. So. And what 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 does she do for you, Terry? Tara, she helps with acquisitions, so she she's really good at the sales and, and acquisition standpoint. Okay. So she helps. Uh, you know, everybody's got their everybody's got their their hands in every pot. So, you know, if we need signs done, you know, she was right there with us uh, doing signs. If we need to go out driving for dollars, we were out driving for dollars. I mean, all the all the checklist basics that you know. You know, real estate, wholesaling, investing 101, yeah. we were marking off the list. You know, if they said do it, we were doing it. You know, we, okay. were, we were driving, door hanging, putting posty notes on doors. We were, you know, putting bandit signs out, and, and the phone was ringing. So we thought this was, uh, this is this is it, you know. This is our, our calling. So. Good deal. So how many deals did you do at the beginning of bandit signs? When we were solely doing bandit signs and driving for dollars, I want to say we did uh, – It was probably about four four wholesale deals, and and we took on a flip at that time as well. So. Okay, and and how do you transition from there to direct mailing? Because I know you're big in, into that. We are we are big. Uh, about ninety percent of all of our marketing is direct mail right now. Um, it's a big chunk of it. So, uh, and we progressed like anybody else. Uh, direct mail costs costs some dollars to get going. You know, like with anything else, and so we saw it as reaching a broader audience. You know, for for Our, for our cost that goes into the into the marketing, we can reach a broader audience and, and, and reach an audience that we weren't uh, necessarily getting a hold of at that moment anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, unless they were passing our signs up or, or we happened to knock on their door, and so uh, you know, we just transitioned straight into that. And we still do we still do bandit signs. Uh, we still drive for dollars. I, everywhere I go, I'm always looking. So I don't I don't give up on anything that we've done. It got us there. Um, you know, in my business before and, and what I've done before, um, I you know kind of learn the lesson that if you know you're looking to see what's got you to that level don't stop doing it i mean why why switch completely i mean well we we had to because we we started doing we were doing mailers only yeah um but at some point the response wasn't there so it's tough yeah. it, it, you know it started hurting you know money wise yeah. and you're like okay mailers got me to where i am today but they're not working as good as they used to work what can i do like Is there anything? So we started um, going through like Facebook ads, and uh, we started shooting videos and, and putting money on videos. And this is back in 2017, 16, 17, maybe three years ago, yeah. uh, or four. And we started getting properties like that. Uh, and I would go to the appointments, and and the lady would say, "I saw you on TV. I saw you on TV." And it was on Facebook actually on, a, yeah. on an ad. And Our dollars spent on marketing on Facebook went a lot further out. Yeah. Um, but then Facebook started catching up to it, and they changed the algorithm every month. And now it's like a never-ending story. Yeah. Do you think that the from the transition from the marketing, do you think it's just because we've grown to that point, and then we have to adjust in order to keep our growth going? I think what happens is there's more people doing it. Yeah. Uh, also, the, the target that you're sending – 
the letters or the postcards too, they get numb to it because now they get so many of them. Correct. Yeah. They don't even look at them anymore. Even if they're in distress, they just grab it and throw it on the trash. Correct. Um, so that's why you, you got to hit them through different avenues. Correct. So in my opinion, you got to do a little bit of everything now. You got to do some Facebook. You got to do some call calling. You got to do some text messages. You got to do some maybe some RVMs. Uh, so I, I don't discount the postcards or the letters because they the one thing I like about mailers, and I don't think there is another avenue that replaces it, is that some people will grab the mailer and put it on their, you know, Still get nightstand and yeah. say, I'm going to save this for a rainy day. Yep. And three years later, you get a phone call. Yep. Out of something you planted three years ago. It's, I, you cannot get that with Facebook. You cannot get that with call calling or text messages um, or pay-per-click. If you if you quit pay-per-click, you're gone. That's it. You know, it's like instant. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't think it as much as growth for on our end. The growth comes by us reinventing ourselves. Correct. Trying to use different markets now to get the same results or better results, right? Um, but... Um, you know, also training your acquisitions people, how good are they on qualifying people on the phone. And so there's a lot more than just to sending the mailer and getting the call in. Right. Now, I know for a fact that if I send the mailer and I get a call back, my chances of locking it up are much higher than one of my new guys, right? Correct. So the way I see myself is my job is to really duplicate myself through them. Um, and, and that's why, you know, that's why we venture out of town now. We, I met you in Tampa, Florida. That's I mean, right. Our first we, meeting. We, we, didn't even, <laughs> we didn't even know each other from Houston. No. I mean, we were friends on Facebook. Yeah, but that was like everybody else. We were sort yeah. of on the same networks, but we never knew each other on, yeah. until I threw a small event in Tampa, that uh, like a get-together. Right. And the reason I did that event is because I, I had houses on the contract there. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how can I dispose these houses quicker other than just posting them on Facebook or whatnot. And it was literally to put an event together, do the free beer like we do here in Houston. Correct. And people will show up. There's not, there's not, it's funny. You know, I've been around a few other places. Houston is pretty unique. I mean, they, they drive the, uh, the social events. Well, around here. The competition is so tough. It, heavy. And they, but I just, you know, no other area I don't think does it like we do here. No. You know? it, it's, it's a very unique uh, for Houston, because uh, when you venture off into other markets, and I'm not talking about vir- just virtual wholesale in other places. I'm not when you when you're when you have boots on the ground in other markets and you have dollars invested, and it's not the same speed as it is here, and yeah. the same intensity as it is here in Houston. I mean, it's almost like you're wondering what is going on, you know, what's happening. But yeah, we we crossed paths in Tampa. I was that was the first time we got together. That's right. That was almost probably a year ago, I would say. Yeah. yeah um, and. Um, I remember uh, that event, I had probably 30 or 40 people show up, maybe. I can't, I I don't remember exactly, but there was a little crowd. And and then after that one event, some of the people kept on asking me, hey, when are you going to do the next one? But the thing is, I did not live in Tampa, so... Yeah, it's tough. It it was tough, because I have to now travel back and forth. I don't have sponsors there. It's all coming out of my pockets. Um, And when when you put it all together, it adds up plane tickets you know staying there food while you're there because you know um now my mother lived in tampa at the time so i could at least crash on her apartment but now she moved and like i really have nothing in tampa anymore other than houses under contract 
and and we're, we're finding w other ways to sell it to the end buyer without having to throw events together it's tough out there it's a tough market i'm in florida as you know and so it's a it's, how, so so how okay so you go from let's go back a little bit sure you go from bandit signs to mailers correct you started by mailers from another third party i would say no everything was in-house so we do, we do what, everything ourselves. what made you go say i'm gonna go buy all the equipment and set up my own mail house <clears throat> well i'm a little bit more primitive than that uh so when we first got started it was hey do we have a printer that can print okay you know? And then how are we going to do this? You know, first it was, you know, you kind of experiment with the labels and there was yellow letters that we could have reached out for and, and, and duplicated. But I just thought, you know, I just need to get in front. And like you said, if you get the phone call, then I, I know we, could, we have a better chance of a lot better chance of locking this thing down. If I can just get that call coming in the door. So we started off uh, getting our mailers out, and, and it worked. What did they look like? Were they yellow letters? or No, just basic. Straight up letters. Straight letter. up letters and a generic envelope nothing special my you know now we've we've uh we've tried different things with uh different types of postcard style envelopes uh put different types of postcards both uh self-done and then uh professionally done and, and submitted out uh but at the end of the day i mean cost and the the return is uh you know i think it's a lot of our wording and you know kind of what you get across and we target distressed sellers so you know and we we focus in on those distressed sellers and and it takes a little bit a little bit different approach to those versus, um, you know, say a high equity or an absentee. Yeah, I target high equity. So I don't target as much distress. Yeah. So you, um, you got a lot of different hurdles that you have to leap over, and the approach is different. And it's amazing, like you said earlier, I mean, they could be in distress, and they're still, they have their head in the ground, and so they're, yeah. not, they're not seeing what's coming at them. Yeah. So it takes a little bit more finesse and a little bit more work. But, again, you know, folks that were in distress today who find a solution – uh, maybe not with us, but through their mortgage company, uh, in six months can find themselves in the same situation, and they do. They have your letters sitting on a shelf, and we get calls all the time from folks who we've either talked to or have received our literature before and that are now that are now finally in the market. And what are you using to pull these motivated sellers lists? Uh, we have a, 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 a group that we order the, uh, you know, basically the, the late mortgage okay. late mortgage list. All right. Um, so, so you went in... So here we all go, sitting around the table, printing, folding, right. stuffing envelopes. And you do all that manually? I'll do it manually. But you don't have a, a letter inserter and, okay. Nope, nope, all manual. Uh, keeps keeps us all busy during the times, you know. Like I said, I've got a, it's a family business. So I've got, a, you know, my wife who handles the books and the stuff at the house. And she's, uh, she's off doing her thing as well. But uh, she's managing all the, you know, we've got the commercial property, we've got, you know, nine, ten, eleven tenants there. We've got other other rentals. We've got some some subject to properties that we've got that you know she she helps manage the books on on the backside. Uh, I've got a mom who's retired who's helping us out a hundred percent. So she's there every day, you know, or you know most every day coming in, folding, stuffing, you know, a few hours each day. I've got a a, a dad who's retired who still still entertains and does some consulting on the side, but he comes out and helps with acquisitions, loves walking houses, and helps with signs and, and stuffs letters. So, you know, while we're all standing there doing, you know, a lot of what we do, um, you know, even in our off times, sitting there in the evening times, I mean, we're, we're still a, a hands-on operation through and through and get it out the door. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, yeah that you guys are all supporting each other uh, as a family and couldn't, growing. Do, couldn't do it without all of them so. yeah growing the business like that um so all right so you went and figured out how to do these mailers 
Uh, you got a bulk permit with a USPS. Got, yeah, I learned that too. So, you know, learn the U.S. Postal Service doesn't know what the heck they're doing either. So uh, it, it took took some challenges to get to where I need to be, but now we're there. Yeah, you train you train your... <laughs> you got to uh, train your, your postmaster. Your postmaster. Yeah, so, uh, you know, after we talked to the postmaster and we thought we had the best deal going, then we talked to the distribution center, which is not that much further down the street, and they're like, oh, no, save all this money, just bring it straight to us. So there we go. So, so how much cheaper is the stamp uh, by taking it to the distribution center other than the postmaster? For the first two, three years, I have wasted, and I'll say wasted, about 20 cents uh, per letter. Oh, because you were paying for a retail? No, no, because we were paying a bulk rate, but when you pay it out at a, at a uh, retail center, they charge less to take it. The, the retail center at first, and you do mailers, so you're going to know some of this. So when you go to do your mailers and you go get your bulk rate, there's a first class stamp and then there's a standard stamp. Yeah. Okay. Well, at first the postmaster said, "Well, we don't. You, your letter doesn't qualify for standard mail. It's only first class." Uh -huh. So we, for the first two and a half, almost three years, we've paid first class bulk rate mail rates, which is forty-three, forty-three cents, forty-two point or forty-three point nine cents per right. letter. Yeah. Almost retail. Okay. We have to bulk it. We have to strap it. We take it down and drop it off. So as we got to learn this and we got to talking, uh, we finally reached out to the U.S. Postal Service. They sent us out a salesperson to speak with us who, me, who said, oh, no, you know, you guys are doing this wrong. You're supposed to be standard. And then if you brought it straight in, if you bring it from a – like the cost difference between taking it to a post office versus the distribution is six cents a letter. That's what the post office – out. Uh, will charge you to deliver it to the distribution center. But the distribution center is right over off what Hardy, so it's, uh, you know, 10 minutes down the road from me. Right, so you're paying, so right now for a postcard, what do you pay on, on your postage? Uh, what is it, 15 cents or something like that? 20, and a for card. a letter? Uh, currently it was 43, but it's going to be 22 when we get it over to 23 cents a letter. Now, do you pre-stamp? Uh, it will be pre-stamped. We we were printing the we were printing the pre-sorted stamp on the envelope. We're right. Printing, but we're going to go with the because uh, that's what we pre do. Pre-stamp, yeah. So usually it costs us twenty seven uh, twenty seven cents uh, the postage. Correct. Uh, and you're delivering it to your local post office. Yeah, we deliver it to the one in Brookshire now. Okay. But we're going to move it here somewhere. If you took it straight to the distribution center, that's yeah. six cents a letter that you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so, but when we started, we were in Brookshire, so for us it was convenient, you know. That's what we did. We started off, we're out there in the Kingwood Porter area. We go to the local local post office, you know. Good deal, man. So so you got your own mailing house. You learn a ton on, on how not to waste your, Scars, your money bruises. and all that. Uh, you drove your cost from 43 cents to 15 cents a postcard and roughly 21 cents a letter. Correct. Um which I, we do postcards, but they're all first class, so we still pay 27 cents. Um, on our postcards, we send them all first class. Correct. Um, now, we'll, we'll send our first batch of letters uh, first class because we get them back. Right. And we want them to come back because we scrub them and then remove we, the, we remove Well, the, we remove the, them from our mailing list, and then we skip trace them, and we do we cold call. So we find other ways to, to reach out. Right, okay. So we do, we do that with our first batch. But after that first round – then it's standard. It, like I said, we're just switching over into that, so it'll all be standard moving forward. So, and it'll save us, uh, you know, 
with the amount of letters we're sending out, it's going to save us almost $10,000 a year. Wow. What um, was your volume? What sort of volume are you? Uh, we're anywhere between four and 5,000 letters per month. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. that's pretty good. We uh, we started at 400 letters. So we started off at 500 because that was the minimum I had to put. Well, no. I, I So I, I placed the order on one of the websites. Yeah. So the, the reason why we got into mailers um, and buying all our equipment and all that stuff is because we um, we started with 400 and got two houses out of it. Okay. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what is this? And and in between the two houses, if I would have wholesale them, I would have made at least 40 grand, right? So the rate of return on that was just completely out of this world. Yeah. And I got excited, and I told them, and I didn't know what I was doing. Like literally, we just pulled a circle in the area, and we said we're mailing all these people, and that's how we, that's how we did it. Okay. So we got the two houses. Uh, one on we contracted right away. The other one took a little while. Uh, we went back and forth with seller for about six months, but it was still a, a warm lead. Yeah. Um, then we was like, man, let's try this now closer to us. So we we lived in Katy, and we figured let's go to Rosenberg and mail Rosenberg. Because it's closer, but it's sort of a similar area to the one we targeted before. The first one we targeted was Angleton, uh, down south. And yeah. I love that area because it was yeah. a good neighborhood for rentals. And that's what we were looking for, houses that we can renovate and rent uh, and keep them long term. So we get there. We get these houses in Angleton. Then we go to Rosenberg. And now I'm like, man, instead of doing 400, let's do 2,000. So we upped our marketing, but we changed the vehicle. We didn't do letters. We did postcards. Right. And the return was not the same. No. And I was like, oh, man, I don't know if I want to do this again. Now it started hurting a little bit, right? So we started switching back and forth and back and forth, and we noticed that Rosenberg actually was not a great area to mail letters to or postcards. And we're like, okay, there's something weird about this area. It looks the same as the other one, but they're not. The response is different. Yeah, different, different response. So we were like, okay, why don't we just go a little further out? And then we started venturing out in other towns, and we started picking up, again, pace. And what we figured is that we were mailing towns that weren't saturated with investors. Correct. We were the only game in town. Every time we come in to negotiate, it was just us. And that's it. So they either took our offer or they weren't selling their house. That's a good problem. And it was a great <laughs> challenge to have. So that's what we focused on for a while. Yeah. Then when Harvey happened, now we have a full-blown mail house. We, we got all kinds of equipment, and we're selling this to other wholesalers. Oh, and the, 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 the way we started our, our mail house was because I was using a company out of California to do our mailers. So from the time I put an order to the time my phone started ringing, took about three weeks. That was too long. Correct. And we started doing like 10,000 a month. You know, ten thousand mailers. It was about ten grand worth of marketing. Oh, yeah. So for us to wait three months, I mean three weeks, it was like watching Greek uh, wheat grow. You know, like oh, man, yeah. when is my phone ring? Like we'll look at our phone, like lots of top ramen in between. <laughs> and, and we didn't know anything about cold calling or texting or any yeah. of that stuff, right? Yeah. We were just figuring it out on, on our own, pretty much. And um, one day I tell Carlos, who was actually one of our business partners at the time. I said, hey, man, um, you told me you had some money to invest in, in, a, in like, a business. Why don't we just do a mail house? And he's like, how will that look like? And I said, I don't know. Let's go figure out how much the equipment is, and let's do a little bit of research. And before we knew it, man, we raised, I think it was, like, $30,000 
and wow. and in between him, another friend of mine, and myself. Now the good thing is I was the user already, so I was I could sus- yeah. I could sustain the business to start, and and I got a little equity out of it. So I didn't put any money on it. They did put the money up, but the 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 deal was they had to go work it. So it wasn't just I was just gonna be their main client that was gonna supply, correct? You know the initial orders, and that's how Direct Mail Out started. And we went and bought a ton of equipment. Learn how to do a yellow letter. <laughs> That's tough. I've tried. Oh, my God. It is <laughs> tough. Trust me. It took Carlos a quite lot, a little bit. I got a lot of mistakes. <laughs> no, no, no. So it took Carlos quite a little bit of time to get there. <clears throat> yeah. uh, finally, he got it. and Well, good. I never got it. <laughs> oh, we got it now. We know how to print them. Um, and um, And then at some point, he got busy with his work, and he didn't have enough time to grow that business. And my other friend was just a capital partner. He was like, hey, man, I need my money. Um, this business is not really going anywhere. He was trying to help grow it or whatever. But they weren't fully vested, sure. you know. They were sure. just more. Uh, Carlos was, but Carlos' businesses, you know, like other jobs started taking uh, a little bit more time from him. And at the time, I was just mainly myself. We didn't have, a, like, a ton of clients or anything like that. And I said, look, guys, let me pay you what you got into it. Um, and uh, I'll just keep the company, and, and I'll use it for myself. Okay. And if I sell it, fine. If not, you know, whatever. And they're like, yes. So if if I would have wanted to, like, hustle them, I would have been like, okay, let's depreciate the equipment. I'm going to pay you what it's worth. I was like, no, guys, you guys are my friends. Correct. You put in ten grand each. There you go. And it, it actually, I think I ended up buying it for a lot more. It was probably like forty grand. Yeah. Um, and And I became my own supplier. But if you can use that to offset your mailings, I mean, isn't that, that that's whole, exactly why? I mean, right. That's the whole trick. I mean, yeah. you use you get it enough, it may not be a huge revenue stream. Yeah, at the as time. a client, I was paying him, I believe, was like seventy cents or eighty cents a letter. Oh yeah. So yeah. I was paying retail. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was still one of the owners of the company, but I wanted to keep the business afloat, right? Um, then what I saw is okay, these guys want out. They don't want to continue to work this business because they got busy with other stuff. Sure. This is an opportunity for me to take over the equipment, and now I pay just the 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 material, the labor, and and the real cost of producing, which is not cheap actually, no. um, of producing a a, a mailer. Right. And this is probably a few months prior to Harvey, and we started getting more houses and more houses and more houses, and we were buying them all, like left and right. We have money, private money lined up, and and then Harvey hits. And when Harvey hits, then he says, "Man, we gotta now send a ton of mailers because um, there's all these distressed homes." Yeah. And at the time, we went from mailing like ten to twenty thousand, we tripled it. Yeah. We went to sixty thousand. Our cost was probably forty percent. Of that sixty thousand, so we were probably in it for like thirty or forty grand, but we didn't get the returns we wanted. Yeah, that's. A, I, I think we we run into the same thing. I mean, we ramp up. You see a good, you run a good list, or you know, and it, it counts on where you're sending them to and how you're sending them at the time. So I think you have a good return, and then you know you say, okay, we're going to ramp up because you know you're kind of taught if I do A, B, C, and it equals D. If I did that more and more times, it happens. You know, it'll continue to to, to happen. And in reality, sometimes is if you do A, B, C, it's, it doesn't always equal D. I mean, it's not nope. always going to be the same. So, 
you know, you can front load that stuff. And we've done it too. We've ramped up and, and increased our list size and expanded our, our areas only to realize that, man, we just gave away a lot of money, <laughs> a lot of money at that time for some marketing that, that didn't pan out, but you know. Yeah. So we went through that and, and, um, but we were still getting houses. So somehow we stayed afloat. Yeah. Um, but then we ran into a, a bunch of other challenges with the flips and the rehabs and our employees or whatnot. But long story short, that's how the whole thing started. And and uh, <clears throat> we're getting ready to roll it back out again to, to potential clients. Sure. Uh, because we're seeing that mailers are actually starting to work again, uh, in depending on the area and the Correct. list. I think they are, and I think there's a lot of pushback, and I don't know what the legislation is because I'm not involved with all the, the ringless voicemails and the Oh, that's going to go away. Yeah, so all that stuff is, is getting hammered on right now. So I saw it, and I see it as, um, you know, an avenue to take and to handle, but I see it being being restricted more and more and more to, you know, like right now, I mean, everybody switched over. I think every call that's not in my contact list comes up as a spam now. And, you know, I didn't answer calls I didn't know before. I really don't answer them now, you know, because it pops now, up. Now, are you using any systems to take the inbound calls? Uh, for ourselves on that? Yeah. Uh, no. No, it rolls straight in. We have uh, multiple Google numbers, and it rolls over to uh, to our phone system, and that's it. I'll give you the solution to that later on. Yeah, so, no problem. Because, yeah, um, cause, yeah I, I, I get bombarded with robocalls, mm-hmm. and, but because I use a system to take the inbounds, Every time a call comes from that one system, I can tell it's coming. It's a motivated seller or a lead. I'll answer it. Pick it up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, I'm not turning down on possible leads. Sure. Um, so, okay. So, where, where are you today? Like, so you're focusing more on wholesaling. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll kind of catch up a little bit more, uh, fill in a little bit of the gap. So, you know, got into the business, started doing it, did a couple of wholesales, picked up a flip. I uh, thought things were, were great and awesome and found my uh, my golden goose and it was spitting out golden eggs and we were happy. Uh, you know, invested in the marketing, went all in. And uh, as we started, get, started getting into it pretty quick, I realized that the risk, for, at least for us, um, there was a risk on the flip side, you know, to flip. And uh, wholesaling for some reason was just kind of flowing through and keeping cash flow. And, and so, you know, almost a natural grad, you know, gradual gravitation towards wholesaling kind of took place. And so I kind of, I kind of went with the mindset of we're going to buy and hold as much as we can flip what we can and I'll wholesale, you know, from time to time, because it seems like a, a you know, a good way to make yeah, money. a good way to make some cash and, 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 and we'll, 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 we'll go that route. And it, it, we quickly turned into a buy and hold and marketing company and uh focusing in on wholesaling that's and, exactly what we were doing and cherry picking the the flips as needed uh but they're becoming far and few between based on you know what i can do if i can make you know let's just say i make 75 percent or 50 percent of the return on a wholesale versus taking the risk and doing the flip you know we're gonna wholesale all day long yeah because on the flip you're taking liabilities exactly got money tied up long term and i'm taking some liabilities. not to say that it's not a, a you know or on a, a um an end solution for or an exit strategy for us but you know when it became the path of least resistance and you know the an easier an easier way for us to so you're you're pretty much uh gravitating more towards wholesaling 
Correct. And 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 what does the future look like for you now? Do, do you want to continue to do wholesaling, or is you're looking at other avenues? What I'm always looking at other avenues. Okay. And so yeah, because uh, wholesaling is a rat race, like we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, we before, were just right? talking before. It, it it it's got us on a wheel. So you know, so it turned in from, um, and and I'm not scared to say. I mean, I went from I feel like I'm in real estate investing, but I'm a marketing company. You know, at the end of the day, we are the same thing. So we are a marketing company, yeah, with a real estate product. That's right. And so that's where I feel like I'm at, uh, is that we are a marketing company that has a real estate background, and you know, I get the benefits of picking up rental properties for long term, uh, for that uh, that landlord money that comes in, and everything in between keeps the lights on and keeps the marketing machine rolling. And so where I think I want to, you know, where I think we're kind of gravitating towards now and what I really want to push into in my, in my mind and my heart is going to be, um, like I told you, I've got a commercial property. I would love to do more commercial deals. I would love to start pushing more into uh, multifamily. Uh, but I also don't want to go through those. I'm a lot more knowledgeable now, but I think the scars could be a lot deeper and a lot more, uh, a lot more bruising if I went into these other markets without, uh, you know, without uh, without some good partners out there, without some good uh, mentorships, and without right. some other things to help guide me through those a little bit. I don't want to be, um, you know, going through the yeah, same challenges. Yeah, you don't want to figure it out as you go anymore, Correct. necessarily, like wholesaling or or the other stuff you have, that you've done. Um, this time you want to, okay, let's leverage other people that got the knowledge. Correct. Yeah, and, and I think I told you before, as we were honest, I think where I where I uh, where I think my my personal weakness is is understanding how to leverage, you know, and, and how to get into that arena. As you can tell, I'm very hands on. I'm not yeah. scared to. F- I'll fold letters all day long. No, no, no. Uh, I can see you're an action taker. Yeah, I mean, so you're gonna make it happen regardless. I'm gonna make it happen one way or the other. Um, you know, if if someone can sit across me and say, "Oh, I could have done that, and I would have made tenfold," well, man, kudos. But I don't know either way. I do it my way, and right. so I, I work hard to to make it happen. And, um, and 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 I'll continue that route, and I'll continue to, ch- to chug along. So I love I love your attitude, man. Uh, uh, I think uh, you're gonna make it regardless of your uh, whatever life throws at you, because <laughs> uh, you're just gonna go figure it out. Um, if not, I'll be here working for Renovating Riches. T- <laughs> We're taking applications, <laughs> no. so uh, I, I don't think that's really gonna be the case. No, but. It's not. But uh, but uh, man, I love the the way that you you approach uh, real estate investing. That's pretty much a similar path that we took. Very similar. Yeah. Uh, when we first started, we just wanted houses to buy and hold. Correct. That was it. And and it turns out that uh, I had two partners at the time that we were doing all these buy and holds with. Eventually, we we went different uh, ways. They kept all the houses that were rehab, and I took the houses that we were rehabbing. Uh, and then that's when I got cut up in the middle of Harvey. So they kind of like got the good end of the stick. <laughs> it's okay, you know. Yeah. I'm 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 happy that they're that they're doing well. Uh, they got jobs and they now got a bunch of houses and sure. all that. Uh, but all the all the struggles that we went through after that storm are making us who we are today. Oh, definitely. I, yeah, I definitely think that. Um, you know, and, and you hear it a lot, and it's cliche about. You, know, you learn from your mistakes, you fall down, get back up, but it's the truth. I mean, and I think anybody who's in real estate, anybody who's an entrepreneur, anybody's had their own business, I don't think I would have been ready to do what I do today if I didn't own my own business and I didn't have cash flow issues and personnel issues and tax issues and all the things that you face from running a business. 
and, and I don't think I could have done my business if I didn't know how to, if I wasn't taught that on the corporate world, you know, how to run my department, how to run a budget, how to you know, do spreadsheets and P&Ls, yeah. and, you know, and contracts. And so there's all those things that you kind of bring together to make you who you are. And, um, you know, we're all out there doing the same thing, you know, chipping away at the same stones. Good deal, man. I can't wait until I interview you again a few months or a year from now to see what. Well, hopefully we'll have a lot of big, big stories to tell. Yes, this, so. yes. Uh, we're going to work on big things and, and see kind of like how your real estate investing, you know, career goes to and, and what it progresses into because um, we're both overcoming a lot of challenges and at the same time we're growing bigger to overcome these challenges, right? Okay. And that, I guess the message today for, for you guys listening and watching is um, this is the this is probably one of the interviews that I enjoy the most for the fact that you are telling it to the people how it is. Sure. You're not sugarcoating it. Hey, we'll go through struggles. You're going to get cash flow crunches. Um you know, people will steal money from you. I, I think that we, honestly, I think we hear a lot of that. Uh, I did when I first got in. I mean, you hear all the rah-rahs. You see all the checks on the social medias. You see everybody talking about how great it is. And I get it. I, from a marketing standpoint, you want to generate. Yeah, they're this, selling. They're yeah, selling. They're you selling. want to generate that excitement. But when you're new to this industry and you don't know anything about it, and, and even the short time I've been in it, and I have wholesalers that are approaching us to, you know, to buy our deals or to, you know, tie into our marketing or to ask how we're doing, and you really get to, to hear how new and raw they are, they're, you know, you kind of get caught up in that excitement, and you don't hear all the, well, you know, here's a, you know, here's my horror stories, or here's the times where I, I lost my tail on this deal, or here's the time that, you know, I got taken, or here's the time that you know, somebody misled me. You don't hear a lot of those stories and they're all out there. We've all had them. We all have those experiences. Everybody has. Yeah. Um, some, of, some of us are willing to share them. Some of the ones they don't, they don't cause they don't want to show, uh, I guess weakness, weakness yeah. or, or whatnot. That's actually the reason why I came up with uh, my other podcast, the truth behind success. Yeah. I couldn't like when I started, you know, going through all these struggles, right? You got more month at the end of your money kind of yep. thing and yep. I didn't really have anybody to reach out to like because usually it's people reaching out to me and I'm I'm like who do I reach out to for guidance or 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 so they can teach me how to get out of this bind or the problem or the challenge or whatever I'm facing at the time I didn't have that so I said okay I'm, I'm gonna start a program where or a podcast where I can just literally vent <laughs> tell everybody what I'm going through sure and how I'm overcoming the, the, the challenge. And I'm going to relate it to a story, right? And so, and, and so, or something that's going on or something that happened in the past to me. Sure. And that has helped me a lot. It, it, yeah, I think it does. And I think, you know, when you make the comment about, you know, who do you turn to, you know, the people that you turn to that you've, you know, and it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you're marketing, you're marketing, you're marketing, you know, then do you want to open up and say, you know, hey, I messed it up, or hey, yeah. I did something wrong. It, even though we've all been there, it's that it's that unknown. It's that scary part that you don't want to vent. You don't want to open your your heart and your mind up to people to say, hey, I, I didn't do this right, or I I fail I failed and I, I did this route. But at the end of the day, like I said, I think we we've all been there. We've all gone through these same struggles, uh, and I'm and I'm glad you do your podcast to say that. So. Man, you know what? I appreciate you. Uh, I the, the way I see it is, I got. 
we got rich people problems, okay? <laughs> no, we do. Yeah. We do. Like, literally, like, when yeah. you look at it, you're like, poor, poor, poor people don't have these kind of <laughs> challenges, okay? But the other thing that kind of gives me a peace of mind is there's people with bigger problems than the ones I have. Always. 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 Uh, my, my challenge is not the biggest one. It is, might be the biggest one I'm facing uh, at the time, right? But I know somebody out there is having something a lot bigger. Uh, and it can be, it doesn't have to be a business challenge. It can be something personal, right? health. Yeah. You get sick or, and you can't work now. And, yeah. you know, and you got to provide for the family or, or you got a, a sick, you know, God forbids, children or a child or mm. parents or whatever. And sometimes we, we, we go through challenges and we drown in the challenges and we're like, oh my God, why me, why me, why me? Or why can't it like just be easy, you know? Yeah. And, and why, and, but I guess that's the way that the universe builds the, the, the diamonds, you know, under pressure. And yeah. you're not going to grow bigger than, than what you are today if you don't get put under that pressure and you don't overcome, overcome those challenges. Correct. So for everybody watching out there, you're looking at two uh, uh, entrepreneurs that, We've both been to corporate. We've both <laughs> had uh, challenges. Uh, we're still going through challenges. Every day. Every day. Uh, you know, some challenges more serious than other ones. Um, but the, the key to, to this is figuring it out. And I, I guess this is really the message that, that, uh, that uh, you're giving to our audience is you figure things out as you go. Regard and, and you're not afraid to take risk and challenges. Hey, you, you can't be. I mean, we're in this business. We're in a we're in a risky business, and we're in a business that requires you to to take that leap. It's sink or swim, right? Yeah, you know? sink or swim. Sink or swim. So you know, you take that leap and you do what you have to do uh, to kind of tie back into what you were saying. Though, um, you know, get up every morning and and I, I posted it out this morning. You know, be grateful. Be grateful for what you do have and for the little things that the little wins that we have that come along. Do you have any morning routines that you practice other than, than uh, you know, being grateful? Well, uh, definitely get up in the mornings. Uh, definitely grateful. Grateful for my family, uh, my wife, my son, uh, you know, the people around me that are there to support me uh, every day. And then um, I usually listen to something pretty inspirational as I head to the gym. Okay. I try to get to the gym more so than not. I yeah. don't always get there, but I try to get there as a routine. Um, and I hit the gym and, you know, get get some good cardio going. And Around what time do you hit the gym? Uh, probably there, not as early as I should be. Most of the time I'm there probably anywhere between 7 or 8 in the morning. Okay, that's good. So, yeah, so usually by 7 or 8 in the morning. But usually by 8.39 I'm back at the – uh, back at the office and, and, and ready to go. And But in the meantime, I'm constantly working. I mean, I've I've uh, listened to some, like I said, either some inspirational or I'm listening to a book, uh, an audio book. I'm not a very – I love to, to to read, but I hate physically reading. So I like listening to the audio, the audio book. So. But you know that reading physically changes your uh, your wiring on your brain differently it than does. listening. I can tell when I listen to a book versus when I read a book, one, how I take it in, two, how I understand it and, and – comprehend everything so yeah i gotta get better into doing that i just i haven't got there yet but, but good you got some good uh, morning rituals that are oh, yeah. helping yeah. you you know uh grow basically you're working on yourself got to the first few hours of the day sharpen the saw every day right so. man thank you so much mike hey, i appreciate you coming yes, um we're gonna have to figure that out these booms man because uh they're kind of awkward uh right our- to shake hands but uh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully, it we'll pleasure. have you. Pleasure we'll, being here. We'll have you again. Um, Love to. In about a year or so, maybe less or maybe more. You never know. 
Um, and don't forget to hit share, like, and subscribe. Go to our YouTube channel. Give us a five-star review. If it's less than that, let us know why. If there is some something you want to hear about or, or somebody you want to see on the Renovating Riches Radio podcast, let us know. And until then, I'll see you on the next one. Bye.